So, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon to everybody. We know this is not an easy slot after, after the lunch, but uh, we promise it will be a very interesting panel discussion on the outlook of Greek banking. Uh, we will have the pleasure to have with us distinguished uh, panelists that I will introduce shortly to discuss about the future of Greek banking. The future in a very dynamic, I think you will agree, all environment that we live in. Uh, one of the most known bankers worldwide of Greek actually origin, Jamie Dimon, once said that you are not allowed to assume that the business cycle will not turn. In fact, you should assume that every five, six years or so, something bad will happen that will affect banks as well. And we have been here last year thinking that this bad thing that could happen once in six, seven years has already happened. In fact, there are things that happened that were once in a generation or even less frequent events. But here we are today experiencing still a brutal war in our neighborhood um, and experiencing an energy crisis that followed the Russian invasion. Still, within this period, Greek banks performed remarkably well, and actually over the last year they have improved their performance. So we will be discussing with our distinguished panelists on what lies ahead, what is ahead of us in terms of future of the Greek banking. And we will combine both internal perspectives from senior leaders of Greek banks and external perspectives. So we have the honor to have today in the panel as panelists uh, the chairman of the National Bank of Greece, Mr. Gikas Hardouvelis. We have the chairman of uh, Eurobank, Mr. George Zanyas. And we have the general manager and CFO of Alpha Bank, Mr. Lazarus Papagarifalu. We also have the honor to have with us from external perspectives, if you will, Ms. Elizabeth McCall from the Supervisory Board of European Central Bank. Mr. This is a French name, so it's not easy for me. Jean-Sebastien Ditz from the Financial Institution Coverage Group of uh, BNP Paribas, and Mr. Ewan Robertson, a partner at Oliver Wyman. So let me start uh, the discussion top-down with uh, the wider macroeconomic environment in which Greek banks will have to operate over the next couple of years. And uh, Mr. Gikas, could you share, as we open our panel discussion, your view on the macro outlook for Greece the next couple of years and what you think that this outlook could imply for Greek banks as we see ahead. Uh, thank you, George. I think we heard uh, during lunch uh, a lot of discussion about the macro outlook. It, it, it's true that the next year is characterized by a lot of geopolitical uncertainty and issues like energy security. Uh, and, but the, th the key variable to watch is inflation. Now, if you asked me a year ago, what do I think about inflation, I would say as long as the war continues, it's hard to predict inflation is going to stay. But I think we have seen the peak of inflation, at least for commodity prices. And I think inflation is going to come down in 2023. Uh, in Greece, for example, right now we have inflation rates of about 9%. And we expect in 2023 the average inflation to be approximately 4.5%, 5%. Uh, so inflation is coming down, and uh, uh, monetary policy is, will continue being restrictive. Uh, it was restrictive in the past year, 
uh, and it will continue doing so, I think, until the first quarter of 2023. I expect uh, the Fed to uh, continue jacking up uh, its policy tool, the Fed funds rate, perhaps to 5%, and the ECB uh, also increasing its own policy to tool to about 3%. So, uh, that sort of, so monetary policy is restrictive. Uh, is, this is very different than, than the crisis of, uh, of COVID. Uh, back then, uh, monetary policy was lax. Uh, fiscal policy was lax. Uh, today, we face a very different macro environment. Even fiscal policy is very constrained. It doesn't have the degrees of freedom it had before, primarily because exactly due to COVID, uh, countries uh, uh, spend a lot of money, the debt levels have gone up, so governments now are trying to sort of find ways to rein on their, on, their, on their deficits. Now, what this implies, of course, is uh, something that we all know, is that interest rates are rising, uh, but in my view, this is not particularly worrisome. And why do I say that? Uh, I, I think this, the increase in interest rates we observe is back to normal. Uh, what we uh, observed over the last decade, the very low nominal interest rates, the even negative interest rates, was an aberration in my view. Uh, I belong to the baby boom generation. I did see, I did observe what happened in the 1970s and 1980s with inflation. Uh, so. Uh, I don't want it to be repeated. Uh, I, th and, uh, I always felt nervous about the previous environment. Now I feel we're back to normal. I think now the uh, right incentives are in the financial sector for risk and reward. So I, I think, I mean, it's, it's less likely that we see stock market bubbles. It's less likely we see real estate bubbles. Uh, uh, rates are more normal. Um, now. For next year, of course, the big issue is uh, real GDP in most countries will be close to zero. Uh, some countries will have negative growth. In Europe, uh, the same story as in the US. Uh, Greece is slightly different. You heard this over lunch. Uh, Greece, uh, we, we, this year is growing about 6%, and next year it will keep growing. The official forecast is 1.8%. I think most analysts agree that we're going to attain that. And why is that? I think uh, the, the primary reason uh, is that the Greek economy is very resilient exactly because it went through a huge crisis, uh, domestic crisis before COVID. And the, uh, this has left the private sector very strong. There was a lot of restructuring that took place. Right now, the private sector is not over -debted. This is a very low, low, low leverage ratio, a lot of liquidity. Uh, so uh, uh, we're dealing with, with strong fundamentals. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, if I, I looked at a, a survey that uh, NBG does the past 14 years on, on every, every six months on SMEs, and I was amazed to see that for the first time, 86% of SMEs have huge investment plans for the next five years. And in fact, uh, the, the attitude has changed among the uh, small companies. Now small companies actually want to cooperate with each other. They're looking to expand. 
two out of three companies are actually lo looking to cooperate, whereas five years ago, only one out of three was behaving like this. So there's something definitely uh, more healthy about the corporate sector in Greece. Now, what about all these macro developments? What do they mean about the, the, the banking sector? Uh, of course, banks go up and down together with the economy. So uh, if next year is a tough year, as we heard, will this be tough for banks? Uh, the answer is uh, yes and no. I mean, the demand for credit, I, we believe, is, will continue growing, less, but it will grow at a, at a smaller rate. Uh, of course, there is worry that uh, uh, some people may not be able to pay back their loans since, uh, since uh, uh, installments are rising. In, in Greece, uh, loans are almost 100% on, on, on variable rate loans, so installments are going up. And this affects primarily households, not so much uh, the companies are affected, but not, they don't mind as much. Uh, households have a problem because also their personal income, their real personal income is declining at a time of high inflation. Now, of course, there are countervailing forces like uh, unemployment is declining, there are jobs growth, wages are rising, so th these, are, these are countervailing forces, yet households will have a problem uh, uh, next year. Now, uh, what about banks themselves? I mean, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, bank, the banks sort of just finished uh, with the, old, the, the baggage of the past, their NPEs have uh, declined to single digits. Uh, they have a lot of capital. They do have a lot of liquidity. If you look at the ratio of loans to deposits in Greece, it's only 60%, whereas the average in Europe is over 100%. So there's a lot of cash lying around. And the banks do have the means to actually lend to the, to the, uh, to the private sector. The question is, uh, whether there's demand out there. Uh, they, there. There was a change in the last three years. A lot of money actually entered the economy. At least uh, 12 billion euros of uh, net new lending took place. When I say net new lending, it's total lending minus the repayments. So there was a lot of money given out. In the last nine months, for example, the growth rate in, uh, in business loans was 12.5%. This was higher than the growth rate in Europe, and we haven't seen this, this statistic since 2007 or 2008, I believe. It's long before. So there is a lot of uh, money uh, going around. There is, then, there is also the recovery fund that, uh, which provides a safety cushion to the private sector. Uh, and banks actually do compete and they provide new lending at very competitive terms to their, to their customers. Bank, I, I guess the panel will discuss this. Banks are doing better nowadays. They are uh, uh, trying to compete with fintechs and, 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 and big techs. They're actually in collaboration with lots of them. They are uh, revamping their IT systems. Uh, they invest a lot uh, in IT development. And uh, in general, they follow, I mean, there's a big drastic change that happened in the banking system over the last uh, 10 years, which is they follow best practices when it comes to corporate governance. <coughs> and in their long-term strategy, they have, all of them, 
have adopt, adopted a customer-centric strategy, which is uh, the customer first and how, how are we going to, to service him uh, better. So I'm optimistic that uh, banks uh, will continue lending, they will support uh, Greece become more competitive and therefore more productive. And I hope since we're in an investment uh, conference that uh, this will, we will see it perhaps next year, prices will probably pick up the moment investors realize how healthy banks are. Right now, the price to book ratio for banks are like 0 0.4, 0 0.5. Uh, I expect to see a, an increase next year. This is my prediction, and thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Hargubelis. And moving on, uh, Mr. Zanias, to you. I mean, within this macro environment that Mr. Hargubelis described, where do you see most opportunities in terms of credit expansion for the Greek banks and any particular sectors that you believe will be more lucrative uh, and, and why? Uh, thank you, Mr. Bobiurio. I will start by saying that I have been attending this uh, Capital Link conference for many years, and uh, it is the first year, I think, that we can safely say that um, uh, the Greek banks are out of the woods uh, now. Uh, we used to have, as uh, uh, Gikas also said, um, a very high NPE ratio. Now it's less than 8%, uh, but even this 8% is really inflated because the denominator is small, only 60% of GDP are the loans which uh, um, form the, uh, the denominator. Um, and as, um, uh, as you asked and as Magika um, said, uh, also Greece is entering a new phase of um, uh, growth. Um, um, during the past uh, two years, uh, just think, uh, the Greek economy grew by 14%. One, one, four, fourteen percent, eight and a half, and maybe five and a half, or whatever. Now, these are huge, really, uh, growth uh, rates. And for for next uh, uh, year again, we're going to be um, positive, whereas uh, most of our peers in Europe are going to be negative. Now, banks are expected to play a very important role, really, in financing. Um, uh, growth alongside the RRF as uh, the country is a bank-based um, um, economy, really. Now, the, um, the Greek uh, banking um, uh, sector uh, not only is capable uh, of providing the necessary finance uh, for this uh, growth, uh, but it can also direct capital to its more, more productive uses because, uh, you know, this is the job uh, of the of the banks to evaluate uh, projects and um, uh, finance uh, the, the sustainable ones. Uh, that and hopefully, together with the RRF, we're going to, to, to finance uh, the ones that lead to sustainable growth also. Growth that's based on investment and exports rather than a growth that's based on consumption as it was before the crisis and you saw uh, all these uh, results. In, um, so, for all these reasons, in 2022, I think um, Gigas also touched upon uh, this, uh, we're going to have net credit expansion, uh, and Gigas defined net credit expansion, which is double digit, double digit. Um, and um, the thing is that this is uh, uh, coming mainly um, in the business sector, which means that um, credit expansion uh, in the business sector is more than 15%, uh, really. These are uh, huge numbers for the first time um, in Greece after uh, many years, really. 
In Eurobank, we made um, um, a study about the sectors uh, where um, um, finance um, will be directed. And we identified um, uh, five sectors, um, really. Um, and um, uh, these sectors, I have written them somewhere. Um, it is um, um, energy, of course, um, telecommunications and digitalization, infrastructure, tourism and real estate development, and industry, of course. Industry is coming back. Um, now, the, it's, it's very, uh, there are two things about this. About 38 billion of investments during the next three years will go to these sectors. Uh, these investments uh, and this financing is, um, is very necessary because we have an investment gap in Greece, a very serious investment uh, uh, gap, and uh, only until very recently, last year or the year before, gross investment were um, uh, lower than depreciation, we had a negative net capital expansion, really. There is also a qualitative change because compared to the high investment rates that we had in the, in the past, now, as you see from these uh, sectors, these are more productive sectors than, uh, you know, the construction investments that we used to take uh, uh, place, um, uh, and this is the main gap, really, uh, before uh, the, the, the crisis. Um, Eurobank uh, finances a significant part of these investments. Um, this uh, year, about um, almost three billion of net financing, and credit expansion we estimate during the, f between 20 and 25, 1920, uh, sorry, 2020-25, will be about 86% in Eurobank in the, in the, in the corporate uh, sector. I'm sure that similar figures exist also for, uh, for the other banks, as you saw only in 2022 in the business sector, we have uh, about 15 or more uh, percent. So, um, um, now, let, you see, the thing is, despite this um, expansion, there is something that we are lagging behind, because most of that is coming from, um, uh, from the business sector, first of all, and second, the, the, the loans in Greece are only 60% of GDP. Before the crisis, we were more than 100% of GDP, where even today, similar countries like Portugal have more than 100% of GDP. So there is a long way for Greece, really, to, uh, to proceed. The other thing is, if we, I was comparing the figures between Greece and Portugal, and I saw that the corporate sector in, in Greece and in Portugal, they have about the same volume of um, corporate loans. But the, the corporate loans in the household sector, that is mortgages uh, and um, uh, consumer loans, are three times higher. So really the scope uh, here is apart from the, um, uh, the business sector, uh, really to, to mobilize the household uh, sector. And there is a very great scope there uh, for Greece. Now, a, a number of reasons really um, exist uh, that uh, keep the household um, uh, uh, demand for, for loans uh, low. Um, one thing, of course, is that, uh, as you know, Greece lost one-third of its income during the, uh, the crisis. Eh? The households became poorer. Um, additional uncertainty was injected into the system because of successive um, crises after that, and uncertainty and both these factors, uncertainty and lower incomes, 
are very strong factors against uh, uh, higher demand. Um, many potential customers are blacklisted in the, in, in the credit uh, uh, bureau because uh, there are so many um, uh, loans that um, are not being um, serviced. Um, and another thing is that, um, you know, there is, um, um, we do give mortgages, a lot of mortgages we do give, but you see, if we are talking here about next net credit expansion, which subtracts the ones that are being repaid. And 20 years ago, huge numbers of mortgages were, were given that are now expire, expiring. So we have this problem uh, also to face, but gradually it will pick up. Um, now, about um, um, uh, one thing is that um, there are a lot of loans at the services. Uh, this is another potential source, really, for, um, uh, for loans uh, to return to the banking uh, sector. The servicers estimate that about 20% uh, of their loans will return during the next three to four years. This will add about 10, 12 billion to the existing uh, number of, um, of loans. Then after that, the process will be more slow, uh, really, uh, as growth uh, proceeds uh, um, and the restructuring of these loans uh, takes uh, a place that, um, you know, the population to which the banks lend money uh, will um, uh, increase. Um, so another factor that um, will be important also is that the Greek businesses have to attract also some equity. The, the Greek business sector is over leveraged as households also uh, are. And by attracting uh, equity, uh, which is a weak point in the Greek um, economy, makes also lending easier. So, uh, as you see, there is a great uh, potential in front of us. And let me conclude uh, by saying that um, um, no one wants more than the banks to give loans, because this is our job. The point is to avoid mistakes of the past. And so, we take it um, uh, very easily and very, very seriously, being very careful. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. And turning to Mr. Papagarifalu, uh, over the last years there has been extensive transformation in the Greek banking system, covering from uh, you know digitalization, asset quality, culture, people, and, and many different other angles and dimension. So, so how wide is in substance this transformation that has happened in the Greek banks, and what really lies ahead of us now from where we are now? Thank you, George. Uh, and a warm welcome <coughs> to everyone who's watching us. Um, the term transformation has been used uh, widely in the last few years in Greece to describe narrow or broad approaches to change. In Alpha Bank, uh, we see transformation as a top to bottom uh, change in the mentality and a way to do business. Let me use a metaphor to illustrate uh, the case, at least for Alpha. Think uh, of a holistic retraining of a former uh, champion who wants to become again a star athlete and compete uh, at a global basis. You start with uh, the diagnosis so that you understand the situation of the athlete. Uh, in the current juncture. Then it's about setting 
realistic targets so that the athlete focuses on, on the short term. For us, this has been the setting of a new strategy. Then you, pe you put together a team of same-minded people to lead the rehabilitation of the athlete. And when you have these ingredients in place, then you start dealing with the injury. In the case of Greek banks, this injury has been dealing with the legacies of non-performing exposures. As it happens in every injury, you also need to rebuild muscles and strength. In the case of Greek banks, this relates to organic capital generation, releveraging of the balance sheets, and attraction of talent. And then you also need to take care of the fat that has accumulated during the inactivity period. And for us, this was about dealing with costs. And as you have all these physical ingredients in place, then you start improving your lap times and the performance, which in our case means getting back to profitability, um, so making the shareholders happier, and um, caring about customer experience, making customers happier. But let me give a few milestones in this journey to make it more tangible. It was about survival mode, uh, which led us to develop a strategic plan, which we presented uh, back in 2019. Then uh, you need to remember that this bank, at least Alpha Bank, was run by a family for many years. So a new CEO was elected in 2019. Uh, and this CEO, uh, he brought together his new executive committee, a combination of outsiders and insiders to lead the effort. The focus was predominantly on managing non-performing exposures. So we started back in 2019 with a 44% NP ratio, and we reported an 8% NP ratio uh, in June 2022 through a combination of jumbo securitizations and outright sales. We also had to break down the bank in two pieces, a good bank and a bad bank to make the project operational. Then uh, we had to relever the balance sheet. The Greek crisis has resulted in the shrinking of, of the balance sheets of Greek banks. So in 2019, we had performing loans of 27 billion euro. And during the pandemic, we have managed to uh, increase our loan books and give money to the economy, despite the challenges, increasing our performing loans to 31 billion euro as of September 20. 22. Then um, the Greek crisis had also resulted in a brain drain. And the government has focused a lot on making sure that there is repatriation of talent. So we have capitalized on this uh, opportunity to repatriate talent. And we have um, repatriated almost 50 executives for middle and senior management positions. We call them Ithakans. 
Then we have also re-engaged with our employees after many years into renewed performance dialogues in order to identify and reward excellence. We have launched academies to make sure that new skills are blended with old skills. And from the coming quarter, next quarter, we are launching dual career development programs so that both managers with managerial responsibility and specialists uh, develop themselves within the bank. We have also um, introduced um, diversity in our agenda, promoting female empowerment programs and engaging in other relevant activities. Coming to the operating model, in retail we have shifted from a product um, approach to a segment approach, tailoring uh, our offering to segments with, with quite a significant success. When it comes to uh, sales fulfillment, it has been traditionally happening through the branches. This is still the case, but we're gradually shifting sales to digital channels. Take, for exa example, uh, a new consumer loan we launched earlier in 2022. 70% of the sales are happening digital only. Coming to credit decisioning in retail, we have automated the, uh, the credit decisioning engine, and this has resulted in more than 50% of disbursements in retail happening with, uh, without uh, manual uh, intervention. In wholesale, the focus has been on increasing the productivity of relationship managers, taking out administrative tasks so that they focus more on managing the client. With regards to our IT operating model, we have changed the structure. We have introduced Agile and DevOps, having increased significantly the efficiency to deliver the output by almost 20 to 30% in terms of um, output. When it comes to back offices, we have shifted mentality from managing the troops to managing special forces so that they focus on automation and the improvement in processes. From a job for life approach, we are encouraging innovation uh, so that we improve ourselves for our customers. And lastly, from, uh, from big losses that we have been encountering, encountering the, in the last few years, we shifted to profits, and we are well in the trajectory of reaching a 10% return on equity, which was the financial target we presented back in 2019. And some thoughts um, at the end of this um, speech. Um, transformation is not just about delivering projects and tasks. It's about having this mentality to challenge yourself and change uh, at Alpha Bank, the big merit of engaging into such a process is that we now know what it takes to transform and we can now conceptualize, design and execute next steps. So it's also about the journey which has been a pleasure for us and a big gain out of this process. Thank you, thank you very much Mr. Papagalefalo and I liked very much this analogy about the athlete. And I will use this analogy for my first question to Ms. McCall 
as we now will couple on a reality check the internal perspectives with external perspectives. Uh, so Mr. Pakol, uh, uh, Mr. Paparifalu described an injured athlete who uh, recovered, uh, who built muscle, who built strength, who now has increased his lap time and is in a much better shape. Uh, but how do you, from a supervisory perspective, view this progress uh, of, of the banks over the last years? And, and most importantly, has the athlete now built the strength and the muscle to justify after more than a decade without dividends for the investor of Greek banks? Is he strong enough now to, from a supervisory perspective to justify a dividend uh, payout? Um, I think this athlete has done a lot of physical therapy, <laughs> a great deal, and very successfully. Let me let me say that in in that way. Um, so the the, uh, the the program has been followed. That's for sure. It's not the case that everyone follows the physical therapy program, but in this case, it has been. Just to give you an idea of the magnitude of the physical therapy, the the NPL ratio stood at 49.1 percent in June of 2017 and it's been reduced to 10% in June of 2022. And that's a, that's a massive balance sheet cleanup. And it, it also, very interestingly, materially accelerated in 2021. And that's in spite of pandemic, in spite of, since 2021, it's, it's been accelerating. In spite of the pandemic, in spite of the, the war. Um, and that's been, that cleanup's been possible thanks mostly to the NPE, securitizations, and those were executed, of course, with the support of the Hercules Asset Protection Program. So now the NPE loans are largely outside of the banking system. They're under the management of the servicers in charge of implementing the business plans. Um, then those business plans are embedded in the securitizations on an overall basis. So that's a good thing on the one hand, but I also noticed that Mr. Zanius mentioned that the, the loans are not gone from the economy. They're, they're still there. And it's going to be very necessary to continue to be quite focused on making sure that those loans don't come back on the balance sheets of the banks in some way, either indirectly um, or through some interconnectedness. So we, we want to make sure we keep an eye very much on that. So thanks to all of this cleanup, asset quality has improved significantly. And there were severe losses that were reported in 2021, and that's associated with the de-risking process. It costs money to do that. But banks are now in the process of building higher capital buffers, and that's also thanks to the current profitability because the macroeconomic environment has obviously changed with interest rates. So let me say a few words just about capital planning, um, and I, I want to speak first generally. Um, we have, you know, as, as ECB, and given the geopolitical picture and the macroeconomic environment in which we are living in, we've requested all of our banks to provide their updated financial projections to us and to give us their underlying macroeconomic assumptions. That's in the context of an ad hoc data collection exercise, and we've asked to have that information by the end of October. This exercise will allow us as supervisors to really have our, our, our thumb on the pulse of what's happening. We want to be able to assess banks' adequate planning to ensure that they have sound, adequate capital pr planning processes and that those are being done on a forward-looking basis. That will allow us also to assess management actions in response to the crisis and also to assess their distribution plans to your question. So we are going to keep on monitoring the quality of the bank's capital. Um, we're also going to be looking at their financial plans. We're also looking for, and this is with your athlete, looking for agility. 
in uh, being able to um, update plans as circumstances change. If there's one thing we can say about this last year, it's been uh, full of surprises and full of risk in the system. So the agility is going to be quite, quite important. We have no plans to introduce any general blanket dividend recommendations. We're going to continue to do what we've always done, which is assess on a bank-by-bank -bank basis the distribution plans. We are expecting those distribution plans to be very much anchored to the capital planning process, to have sound macroeconomic assumptions, to have severe adverse um, scenarios and baseline scenarios that are practical and that make sense and that they're, on a, they're being done on a forward-looking basis. We're also um, indicating that any distribution plans, and again, I'm speaking generally about the entire system, that those plans have to be subject to the fulfillment of the strategic plans so that the, in the banks have put in place strategic plans. Are they executing on those strategic plans? And that has to do with the profit generation as well as the quality of the capital and the capital trajectory. What kind of headroom is there? Now, with the, the Greek banks in particular, of course, capital remains very much a focal point for us and takes a lot of our supervisory attention. We um, already noted the, the extraordinary cleanup that's there, and there was significant losses in 2021 that's impacted the level of own funds in the institutions of most of the banks, leaving them with limited managerial buffers. And so in spite of our concerns about the high DTC ratio in 2022, capital ratios are progressively increasing, and that's on the back of the P&L improvements that are happening. There's been an overperformance in the P&L area, and that's positive, but there's still some way to go. So regarding the possibility of banks to distribute, let me just say that that decision is going to only be taken after we have a very clear view of the 2022 performance. We also need to be informed by an associated three-year capital plan. Um, and as I said, it has to, we will be assessing the updated scenarios. The scenarios out there have been changing quite rapidly, back to my agility uh, comment. And we're also going to be looking carefully at, at the available buffers. We think it's very important, and you talked about this, Lazarus, about you know, the sustainability of the business models um, and the organic capital generation. We're going to be paying very close attention to the capacity to generate adequate and recurring profits over time in a sustainable way. We are very interested in the fact that a number of banks have embarked on transformation plans. This is a good thing. The digitalization efforts are a good thing. Um, these are these innovation opportunities and the management of the related risks are, are really at the heart of how we are analyzing some of these things. And we're encouraged by what we've been what, by what we've been seeing. So in 2022, the banks are experiencing positive profitability. That's been sustained by the higher margins on the top line of the P&L, and that's been allowing the banks to increase the capital reserve and their retained earnings, and we're definitely welcoming um, this athlete's recovery and the positive trend that we're seeing, and we expect on an ongoing basis to see compliance with a P2G. We want to see sustainability of the P2G, stability of the P2G, and we also want to make sure that higher managerial buffers are, are also restored. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ms. McCall. And maybe changing a bit the lens now from the supervisory lens to the foreign investor uh, lens, Mr. Dietz. Uh, I mean, based on your work, you do interact a lot with, with foreign investors. So I, I'm really interested on what is your perspective, understanding on how they view uh, currently Greek banks, yeah, foreign investors' view on our Greek banks. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, for, first of all, the, 
what one, one thing we could say is that this is, this is actually a, quite a, a good uh, moment for, for investors to look at, at banks. And there, are, th there is a very strong catalyst, which is the, the rise in interest rates. And uh, if you look at the, the first two months of this year prior to the Ukraine uh, war, uh, all the banks in Europe re-rated massively on the, on the stock market just because of this uh, interest rate momentum. And of, of course, uh, Greece is part of it. And uh, if you look at the EPS growth um, prospects uh, from our analyst at, uh, at BNP Paribas Exxon, which is uh, one of the leading research uh, house for banks, uh, this is this is double digit uh, for, for for good reason. So it's a favorable uh, environment. Now, if you look at Greek banks, um, what happened again this year is is an out, is an outperformance in the stock market uh, versus uh, peers, and this outperformance is very much driven by by the reduction of, of the cost of capital, and uh, reduction of cost of capital is. Uh, is the effect of normalization for all the reasons that, that were explained on, on this panel. Normalization of, of the banks uh, thanks to uh, reducing uh, the reduction of, uh, of the cost of risk, the, the kind of uh, not yet investment grade, but on the way to becoming uh, a, a, an investment grade uh, country and, uh, and much uh, improved capital uh, ratio. So clearly, when you look now at uh, Greek banks on a, on a matrix versus uh, other European peers, investors see a picture which is actually very comparable in terms of uh, ROE, in terms of uh, growth, in terms of capital. So there are differences, but, but it's, I would say Greek banks have come back into the, the peer group, which was, uh, which was not the case before. And uh, the only caveat uh, on this metrics is, is cost of risk, which uh, has improved, but, but is not yet uh, in terms of NPL ratio at, uh, at a level uh, which is the, the most comparable with, the, with that peer group. Now, of course, uh, for investors, uh, one of the most important factors is, is dividend, and uh, that's where indeed uh, this is not yet happening, and uh, for me, the, the big catalyst in terms of, of moving from uh, 0.2, 0.3, 0.4 times, uh, 0.5 times, sometimes uh, price-to-book ratio to, to get to 0.7, one times uh, price-to-book ratio is, is, is the, this dividend distribution and, and, and the sustainability of those distribution. Uh, obviously, another um, you know, uh, impediment or, or, or concern from investors is the lack of liquidity and, and of, uh, on, on, the, on the banks in, in general and also the, uh, the lack of coverage. Uh, so um, that will come with time, that will come with further improvement, uh, but, but clearly um, investors need a certain size to invest, a certain research, and that, that's probably not yet, uh, not yet there. But overall, uh, a, a clear improvement uh, this year in terms of market perception.
Thank you. Thank you very much. And, and moving to Mr. Robertson for, for the last uh, question. Uh, and, um, you know, you, you have been living in Greece, I understand, for a couple of months now. You have worked uh, both with uh, Greek banks but also with European peers over your career. So how do you view as a strategy consultant, you know, the, the current state of play in Greek banks versus European peers? And where do you think they should focus? What should be the priorities in the future? Any convergence play that you see between Greek and European uh, peers that could increase further uh, their value? Thanks, George, for the, for the question. And uh, I guess given the, uh, what's been said so far, it's no surprise to say that uh, I also observed that the patient wasn't very healthy a few years ago. Uh, when I started coming to Greece in the middle of the 2010s uh, with very high NPL ratios, uh, overstaffed banks, and uh, obviously management bandwidth very much, uh, very much taken up by the challenge. Uh, but now we see great improvement on, on the cost side, much more sophisticated operating models, and I think uh, probably, probably the closest to the fit athlete that Lazarus described before a much more responsive organization, generally thinking very hard about management for value. Um, so it's been a, a, very big, a very big change and much, much closer to uh, the European standard in a way. And, and then we can layer on top of that that the NIM, the net interest margin in the, in the Greek banking system has been much more resilient than it has been in the rest of Europe. And obviously the raising rights, rising rates environment with such a, um, a stable... Uh, and cheap funding base for the banks with the deposit structure they have is a, is a big plus. And the, the optimism on the macroeconomic scenario that we've heard a lot of today for Greece uh, means that overall, you know, it's a very good, it's a very good picture. Uh, so in terms of priorities that can lead to further, uh, further uh, convergence in, in this case, I'd say there probably are still, still plenty of work for, for Greek banks to do, but it's, uh, it's more, more of the same and more good progress to come. One, one group of, of work would be sort of completing the transformation and continuing the transformation that's already been, been started so well. And I expect work there will, will focus on the IT, IT efficiency that's needed to unblock the changes that are already, already well started. Uh, unlocking more power from data analytics um, and, and, and probably still a little bit more work to come on, on cost reduction and, and people because the banks have been historically quite overstaffed. Uh, but then beyond these things, it's, it's telling that the list of priorities I'd have for, for the Greek banks are very similar to the list of priorities I'd have for the rest of Europe. Uh, which would include things like how to treat the floating rate mortgages in the current interest rate stress. It was pointed out, of course, that this is going to be a, a very serious stress for the household sector, and uh, Greek banks need to be on the front foot, like banks around the whole of Europe, in terms of protecting their clients and, and protecting themselves from the, from the impact that can come there. Uh, thinking about keeping deposit rates as low as possible in the right, rising rate environment, uh, taking advantage of the opportunities in wealth management and payments to increase profitability, and, uh, and trying to lead, lead and profit from the transition on climate that's coming, particularly in the retail space where it's much harder to find opportunities to make, make money out of the climate transition. So we have come uh, now to the close of, of this discussion. Ms. McCall, gentlemen, Thank you very much for this very interesting discussion and a big thank to all of you for following uh, our discussion. Thank you very much.
Pick it, pick shit. 